Good morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. I'm thrilled that you've tuned in to today's last life lesson in our series of Hearing God's Voice. Before I go any further, I just want to wish my wife Sharon a happy birthday and uh, many blessings upon you, my love. And if the rest of you so feel inspired, just inundate her uh, on social media. That would be a wonderful gift from me to you, dear. Anyway, happy birthday. Last week we talked uh, about decision-making and God's will and, you know, how do we find it? And uh, I suggested that it was, first we, we get into the scriptures, right? We, we seek then godly counsel around us and we also pray. We commit everything to prayer. And as we're in the scriptures and we're going through the scriptures, where God commands in the scriptures, it's very simple. If there's a command there, we obey those commands. And when there's no command given, God actually gives us freedom and the responsibility to choose. And so when we don't have a command and we have this freedom and responsibility to choose, God also gives us wisdom while we make those choices. And so finally, when we have chosen what is moral and, and, and wise, we, we also now have to trust. We make that first step, that initial process, and we trust the sovereign God to work out all the details together for good. That's all part of decision-making in God's will. Today, I want to look a little bit closer at, at, at hearing and listening from God because it's really important for all of us, I would think. You know, it, it's not anything that we should be taking lightly, especially if we're communicating it to others around us and we find ourselves sharing an insight that we believe uh, came directly from God himself to us and now we're sharing it with other people. Over the last few months, if you've been following social media or the news, you've probably seen or heard people um, and even pastors prophesy, telling whoever, listen, that you know, God said that Donald Trump was going to win the presidential election in the U.S. and remain as president for four more years. God said. So just over a week ago, I posted on my social media account and I quote, Remember all those people that claimed that they had a word from the Lord through dreams and visions that Trump would be president for four more years? They're wrong, and they're false teachers. Run from their teachings as fast as you can. I have to admit, I posted it because it needed to be said. Throughout church history and today, if you hang out with church people, you've probably heard phrases like this. The Lord spoke to me. Or, I heard the Spirit say. Or, I have this feeling that the Lord. Or, God told me. I've always been struck by these phrases. Now, don't get me wrong. I am the first to admit that God communicates to us and that God guides us. I, I'm the first one there. But my concern is not that communication part. My concern is how these phrases have been used. And many times these phrases are used as if these individuals using them have a special revelation that nobody else has. And when, when people use these phrases, they actually presuppose one thing. They presuppose that God is speaking directly to them. Now this could be true as much as it could be false. My apprehension in all this is how people use these phrases and in which context they share them. And then, what does one do if these words from God are wrong? For instance, a, a friend of mine on social media who claims that God is speaking 
to him and through him. He actually posted the following, and now you can actually read this very carefully. This is what he posted. Look at it on your screen. He said, I asked God for a word now. For the first time I prayed, he said, Yorkshire pudding. Yeah, whatever, I said. I quieted my soul. I asked again, and he, being God, said, emergency alert, emergency alert, Yorkshire pudding. LOL, what? He, being God, then asked me, what is Yorkshire pudding? I said, it's a dessert. And God said, I'm about to serve dessert, and the best is yet to come. Now, again, the context of his post, and as a matter of fact, the page, his whole page, rambles on about Trump and QAnon conspiracy theory, but one of the first responses to this post was this. I guess God got it wrong. And another one quickly after said, I hate to burst your balloon, but Yorkshire pudding is not a dessert. So in case you're unaware, Yorkshire pudding is not a dessert that we would define here in Canada, but rather it originates in northern England and it's served as a side dish with the main course. It's usually with roast beef and gravy. All that to say, you know, maybe God doesn't know what Yorkshire pudding really is. That's a joke. See, there's a serious danger when we claim publicly that God is speaking not only to us, but through us. There's another name that I use for this kind of interaction with people. It's called the God card. You've heard me probably say that a number of times. That's when people say, you know, God told them to do something or God told them something. Uh, and, And many times you just happen to be involved in this conversation. And how can anyone who's involved in this conversation move beyond that statement of that card being played? You know, if you rationally think this through, If God really said this, then who am I to argue? Right? I guess I have to simply believe and accept what you're saying. Because what you've said is that God told you. And yet when I look into the Scripture, 1 John 4.1 says, Dear friends, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because... Many false prophets have gone out into the world. 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us to test everything and hold on to good. So in this process of testing people, we should have the ability, listen very carefully, to question by the basis of the Scriptures what someone has said regarding what God has told them. And so just like that that social media post on Yorkshire Pudding, if God is speaking to you, Should it not only ring with truth, but should it not only be speaking to me or others involved in the conversation that you have brought them up to? You know, where is the scriptural basis and where is the confirmation within the community? Have you ever thrown down the God card? Another way sometimes people will say, well, I prayed about it in this. Well, I I can get that. But sometimes I think we say it a little too loosely. I'm walking a fine line here, and I know it. But I'm of the mind that when God speaks to an individual, it's purely subjective. It's a personal conversation between you and him. I get that. He still speaks. The question is, are we listening? 
And then how or even why do we communicate this to other people? So when people play the God card, as I will call it, it sometimes happens as the ultimate justification for a decision that requires a group consensus. For example, picture a, a board meeting in a church. And maybe there's discussion about budget allocation or using the space or building ministry or ministry direction. And, and somebody goes all in and they just simply say, I really feel that God wants this to be happening. Interesting. Or, this is from my classic old ministry days, and I quote, Pastor, God told me you should make my announcement first on Sunday morning. Right. Because when you bring that conversation up between you and God, and you bring it up to other people publicly, then at that point, your message from God becomes open to questioning, according to Scripture. The problem is, the one giving this message doesn't want to be open to testing. None of us do. After all, how can you tell someone that the message that they are sharing may actually not be from God? Now, if this message from God concerns me or it concerns somebody else, should we not also be sensing or feeling the same thing from God. And if not, maybe it was the pizza or the cabbage from the night before that was speaking to you and not the Lord himself. But Unfortunately, many people use the God card like, pardon the pun, it's a trump card. And you just can't argue or win or even have an intelligent conversation with somebody who plays it. At best, the God card is, is really an expression of passion and of heart. That, that's maybe having difficulty to explain itself, but at worst, it's a manipulative tool, and it's a power play for somebody to get their own way. And I think that people use the God card way too much, ministry or not. And yes, God told me to say that. So when somebody tells me God told them, I usually stand there and I smile and realize that the chances are the conversation's over. Because usually they don't give me the opportunity to test. They don't want to hear the test. So there's four questions I want to address this morning. And one is, how do we know if God is speaking to us? How can I recognize the voice of God? Does God still speak and does God speak to me? There are basically three main voices that we're going to hear throughout our lives. You're going to hear God's voice. You're going to hear Satan's voice. And you're going to hear your own voice. And we all have a desire for a feel for the real, right? We, we want an encounter with the Almighty. So let's break this down. Speaking and hearing are two communication means. You know, to speak is to say or to even write words down. And to hear is to listen um, or uh, receive that which is spoken, which, which could also be in a written form. Now, I've been sort of pondering this for some time in the way in which God speaks and in the way in which we should hear. And to answer some of my questions, I am naturally drawn back again to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 3, part 1 in our series. Samuel's called to serve the Lord. That time in history, hearing from God was a rarity. God was not giving any visible signs of his presence. 
This is a time in Israel's history. It was one of despondency and hopelessness and despair. And, and, and God is not speaking. God is silent. And God's voice is quieted. Why? Because of Israel's sin. But something different is observed in 1 Samuel 3. And God steps in with his tender grace and he begins to speak. And one evening while this, this young man who is de- dedicated to the service of God, he's sleeping and God speaks and Samuel's awakened by the voice of the Lord. Of course, Samuel thinks it's Eli calling him and three times in the narrative, Samuel appears before Eli saying, you know, here I am, here I, here I am. Because he make, mistakes God's voice for his teacher's voice. And it takes three times before Eli realizes Samuel heard God's voice. And Samuel doesn't recognize it, interestingly enough. He heard it, but Eli does. Then Eli begins to teach Samuel to to listen to the Lord. He realizes that God is calling this young man. And he, he provides valuable lessons on the way that each of us should respond. And so Eli says to Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And that Really, the Samuel's response should be our response. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And so God continues his, his visitation and his communication with Samuel. He reveals to Samuel the future work of the nation. He also, uh, how God is mightily going to discipline and eventually end Eli's life. And these are sobering words for just young man to hear. But Samuel continues to be obedient to God's voice and he shares it with Eli. And there was a confirmation there. Elijah in 1 Kings 18, after seeing God move in a very demonstrative way. But now he is filled with fear and exhaustion. God has taken care of this poor prophet and gets him to a mountain. And we read in in verse 11, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face. And he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And the voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And see, the point of God speaking in the still, small voice was to show Elijah the the work of God doesn't always need to be accompanied by this dramatic revelation or manifestations. But divine silence does not necessarily mean divine inactivity. You know, last week we saw that When Gideon heard God's voice, he was so unsure it was God that he asked God to show him a sign or two. He asked God to prove it. And if the Old Testament prophets and men and women of God had trouble hearing, how are you and I supposed to know God's voice? But do you realize that the Scripture says the phrase God said over 1,300 times? The description of the Lord said takes place over 2,700 times. So how does God speak to us? We have the complete scriptures, also known as God's Word. I brought my Bible. 
This one is uh, all the way back from my first year in seminary. It literally has notes from my classes in it. This is my Bible. I normally use, use my phone, but I thought it was important today that, that you actually see the scriptures. I know, I know it's not as big as Biden's was on his inauguration day, and this baby is still pretty big. But this is important. This is important. We have the scriptures known as God's word. As a matter of fact, we read in Revelation chapter 22, I want to warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of the scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. And if anyone takes the words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which is described in the scroll. The words are there. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God, that's you and me, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture. And so there are two main ways that God speaks through the scripture. First, there's the general and then there's special revelation. General revelation and special revelation. General revelation explains the way that God speaks through nature. And then we talk about the stars, the sky, the created things. We read this in Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. We can go to Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Charles Spurgeon, a famous preacher, said, God seems to talk to me in every primrose and daisy and smile at me <clears throat> from every star, whisper to me in every breath of morning air, and call aloud to me in every storm. Nature profoundly speaks of God. And our hearts uh, are drawn to these amazing truths that He has revealed, does it not? It's like those who love to to just go fishing or just to, to go for the walk in the woods or you go to the mountains or you go to the river or you go to the lake. It just screams of creation of God. The second is called special revelation and it explains why God speaks um, experientially and exactly. I say experiential because there's some unique uh, means through which God speaks in Scripture that are not necessarily common occurrences today. We have the scriptures complete. And God speaks through his word, number one thing. But there are a few biblical perspectives on the experiential ways that God speaks throughout scripture. And again, I don't have an exhaustive list, but you'll get the idea. Uh, angels. They actually play a very important mouthpiece for God. They deliver messages of hope and they deliver messages of warning. Read the scriptures, you'll see that. Prophets. There were teachers. They were called to communicate God's warning and to teach people, call people to repentance. They pointed the audience, their listeners, to see their sin and their need for the Lord's uh, forgiveness. God used dreams and visions to communicate special calling. Like when God spoke to Joseph of a coming famine and his brothers were going to bow down to him in Genesis chapter 37 to 50. There were the visions that were interpret interpreted by Daniel to King Nebuchadnezzar in Jan Daniel chapter 4 which also revealed the, the coming destruction of the nation. God used clouds and fire and unusual in, images, right? Um, 
that we see throughout the, the scripture, things like, you know, Moses encountered the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. But God also used, and today, still uses preachers and teachers. Titus 1 says, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. In the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time, and now which, at his appointed season, he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. You know, it's interesting because numerous times after I've been preaching on a Sunday, been doing my life lesson, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people come up to me and say, you know, it's like you've been reading my mail or it was like you were, you were speaking directly to me or how did you know what was going on in my life? And I just have to simply say, that's not me. That is literally God speaking through me to your heart. You are hearing the voice of God. But God also speaks to us through life events. James wrote, he said, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, that whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produced perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like the wave of a sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. The idea of asking wisdom in our decision process. The idea of asking God to speak to us through life events. And then something that none of us like to hear, that God speaks to us through discipline. Hebrews 12 says, And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as father and addresses his son? It says, my son, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. So endure hardships as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? So I have a confession to make. I've grown up in a church all my life. I've never heard God's voice audibly. And that's not to say that I doubt others who have heard a word or a whisper from God that has been sincere. The problem is, I think, is that we read the accounts of the Bible about people being directed by God's audible voice, and we expect to have the same experience. But this isn't the way that it goes. You and I do not need to hear God's audible voice in order to know Him. And so you might be asking, well, then how can we expect God to speak to us? Again, it goes back to what I've been saying the last four weeks. It's the Scriptures. It's the Scriptures. God reveals Himself through His Scriptures. Psalm says, your word, your word is a lamp and a light to my path. We don't have to wait to hear God's voice. We already have it in the Scriptures. It's, and it's, not only is Jesus a guiding light to show us how to live. The, this metaphor of light is also applied to Scripture. And so as we pursue faithfulness, we walk in the lamplight of Scripture. You know, are you consulting Scripture when you don't know which way to go? And as I desire guidance from God, I also pray for wisdom. And then I actively consult and obey God's Word. 
And the more you read the Scripture, the more that we respond in prayer. Honestly, it's the easier it is to recognize His voice. Peter wrote this, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses to His majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to Him from the majestic glory, saying, This is My Son who I love. With Him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with Him on the sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as, this, as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it. As to a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets through human spoke from God as though they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Speaking to us. God reveals Himself also through His Son, the Word. Go to John chapter 1. We read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus, as the living Word, gives us guidance on how we should live our life. God has spoken through the loving life of Jesus in order to spur us towards obedience in the same kind of love. Jesus is the Word. He is also the light, the light that demolishes darkness. He is the truth that cuts through lies. He is the clarity that destroys confusion. And Jesus is the light of truth that models to us the right way to act in obedience and when we're sort of wandering or uh, wandering, either way, um, what we should do during this life's trials and uncertainties. He's the one who guides us. You've ever asked yourself, what should I do? Well, look to Jesus who lived out, who lived it out in the flesh. Let's make it a little practical. Let's imagine that you're in the middle of a stressful relationship in your workplace. And if you want to know what God has to say about your responsibility in that relationship. I don't think you have to wait to audibly hear God's voice to make a decision. I think you have to look at the life of Jesus, who said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. It's not necessarily easy. But sometimes it's crystal clear. And so, over time, here's what I've observed. That we must be extra careful when we say, God told me. Especially when he probably hasn't. Because really, when we say, God told me, it is not necessarily helpful not to our own growth as Christians or to the fellowship with other believers. Never mind what unbelievers are thinking when they hear us say things that make God look stupid. Like Yorkshire pudding. You know, when you think about it, it's hard to question the validity of somebody's statement if they're constantly using the card God told me. 
And so in order to hear God's voice and direction, not only must I, personally me, be in the Scriptures in prayer, but I personally have to desire for my relationships around me to sharpen me. Much of this sharpening and we would call it accountability occurs as maybe I share or explain what's going on in my life. That becomes open to the questions of other people and even share what scriptures I have been reading. This allows my brothers and my sisters in Christ to affirm or redirect or even correct me as I give them room to speak into my life. They test me. And they test what I think I am hearing or sensing from God, maybe using the scriptures and and at times just using wisdom and common sense. See, we need to be a community of believers uh, who are surrounding one another, but not just to uh, encourage and affirm, but also to keep us in check, to hold us accountable to the teachings of Scripture so that we don't stray into error or even heresy. You know, maybe you're hoping that God's going to speak to you in some sort of booming voice. Maybe you're trying to discern God's will for your life. Well, listen, you got company. And it doesn't matter what age you are. And I still believe that God speaks today and every believer needs to be careful to listen to his voice. So do you want to hear God speak? Let me just suggest some practical helps this morning. And number one, as I keep on saying, get into Scripture. Read Scripture. Read Scripture. But don't just read it. Be regular. Have devotions. Absorb what you're reading. And this, you know, eventually results in things like memorization and reciting, renewing your spiritual growth, having aha moments. I've read that never seen that before. Read Scripture. Secondly, meditate. You know, the practice of hearing God's voice in meditation is not this emptying of your mind. No. It's pondering. It's focusing It's dwelling on the scriptures that you are reading. It's just taking that time and focusing on that. Training your mind to hold on to what you are reading and what God is saying in that passage. Prayer. That simple practice of coming before God, of speaking and listening and having a conversation with Him. And I'll just say this, by the way, silence is a part of prayer too. Just being still in His presence. Journaling, you know, writing your personal thoughts down, your remembrances, your reflections, your experiences, your concerns, uh, your, your meditative responses to the scriptures. You know, if you're feeling that God is speaking to you, write it down, put a date and time on it. Go back in time and see if what you have written has actually come to fruition. Test it. This is part of the testing. See if it's really from God or maybe it was just you and what you felt at the moment. But at least it's there and you're trying to discern. There's nothing wrong if, oh, it's not right. Well, that doesn't matter. You're at least testing. You're growing step by step. Fast. You know, abstaining from certain appetites such as food or entertainment, technology, other things for the purpose of sacrificing in order to concentrate fully on spiritual truth and spending time with God in prayer and worship. We, we, we'll, we'll expound more on fasting later this year. Practice Sabbath. This is a hard one for me. Back in 2019, we were also busy, busy, busy. You remember that far back? Busy, 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 busy. 2020, slowed down for many. Not all, but for many. 
And for those who slowed down, it, we found, you know, we filled our time with other things. The thing is, we filled our time. So in 2021, take some time to schedule a period of resting from your work and using that time of rest just to worship, to sleep, reflect on God's sovereign work in creation. In other words, enjoy the outdoors. Back to sleep. Remember, even Jesus took naps. Like, those were important things. Practice Sabbath. Unplug. And finally, practice His presence. That's being in the moment. Uh, experiencing and recognizing God through His invisible presence and provisions in all of life. Like God is there. And acknowledging His control over every facet. I mean, I like it, but I recognize that God is in control in control and as we endeavor to live and work on earth he is putting it all together i like what ephesians six eighteen says it says pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests covers it all with this in mind remember romans 12 1 and 2 be alert and keep on praying for all the lord's people be alert be in god's presence be praying for everybody Listen to these words that God gave us in the scriptures. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but that by every word that comes from the mouth of God. There may be a hunger or a thirst planted very deep within you, and, and even within me, that can only be satisfied by more of Jesus through the teaching of his word. So are you listening to the Lord regularly, people? Are you listening by opening His Word? Are you getting into the Scriptures? You know, uh, are you hearing what He's saying? Is He calling you to respond? How are you going to do that? You want to hear the voice of God? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for being the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I thank you that your teaching is also the same yesterday, today, and forever. And rather bending your teaching to fit my understanding, let me bend my understanding to align with your teaching. So come, Holy Spirit, and lead me. Lead us into mature faith. Speak to us individually as we develop a hunger for your word and keep us focused and determined to bring you glory in all that we say and all that we do. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. I want to invite you all to get ready for communion today. I have our new communion cups, the wafer on top and the wine in the, the bottom. Some people ask, well, who's invited to the Lord's table? Let me answer it this way for you. All are invited. The young, the old, the rich, the poor, the lowest, the least, the saint, the sinner. We're all invited together for communion. Now, we may be virtual at this moment, but we're not alone. We're together in this. So come find your place here where there's no strangers. There's only brothers and sisters in the sight of God. Come to the table of Jesus, our Redeemer. Because Jesus invites you and I here as part of the people of God. So come to the table today humbly, 
Not because you've earned a place at His table, but because you and I need mercy and help. And come because you love God and you want to love God more. So come because Jesus first loved us and He gave Himself for us. Come because you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come because you want to experience the mystery of God's grace. You may wonder why do we give thanks at this table. We give thanks because Jesus showed us the way. We give thanks because Jesus is the way. And Jesus was a gift from God for the world, and he was called Emmanuel, God with us. And he came to save us from our sins, and Jesus lived a life of thankfulness, and he gave his life as a sacrifice for many. And so we give thanks that he is our Savior, Christ the Lord. So you may ask, why do we eat and drink at this table today? We eat because on the night that he was handed over, the night before he was crucified, Jesus gathered with his friends for a meal. He took the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. As often you eat it, remember me. Let's pray together. Jesus, as we take this bread, let it be a sign of all you did for us and who you are for us. Thank you for this bread of life. Let's participate together. So after sharing the bread, Jesus took the cup of wine and he gave it to them to drink. And he said that this blood is the new covenant which is poured out for many. And as often as you drink it, remember me. Let's pray. Jesus, as we drink this cup, let it be a sign for us. For us of all you did for us. And who you are for us. And we thank you that you bring forgiveness. And that you bring us a peace that passes all understanding. Let's participate together. So we don't just walk away. What do we remember from this table? We remember Jesus' birth and his presence as God with us. We remember Jesus' life and his love. We remember Jesus' suffering and death on the cross. We remember the resurrection and the promise of life. And we remember that we are waiting in hope to see Jesus again. Let's pray. God of grace, thank you for this bread and this wine and the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. And God of hope, fill us today with your Spirit that we might have the wisdom to understand the mystery of this table and the depth and the height and the breadth and the length of your love for us. Through this meal, God, strengthen us to be followers of Jesus. And may we be a community of peace in a broken world, I pray. Amen. Soul Sanctuary. Just as God's word was sent into the world to heal and redeem, so God sends you into the world this day with new names of love, of healing, and of hope. 
So sanctuary this week, be the light of the world and may the grace and peace of God the Creator, the Redeemer, the Sustainer be with you this week and remain always in you. And may the voice of God be a little bit more audible to you this week and your ear tuned to the guidance and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. So go in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace now and live the church. Amen. Tune in next week as we begin our new series entitled Failing Faith. Have a great week.